the other day, like the TV came with a, I got a new TV not that long ago. Uh, it came with like a styrofoam thing to keep the, keep it from falling forward in the package, which I'd kept, I kept, I packed down in the box, which I haven't taken out yet. And uh, I woke in the morning and there was this weird sound. I was like, what's going on? And I looked up and he'd dragged it out of the box and dragged it into the room. Did he murder to, like, it in show front off of you too? Murdered this styrofoam. <laughs> the, the entrails of the great cardboard box out. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, cats, cats are, are fun. fun. <laughs> uh, Hello, listeners. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Cat Talk. Oh my god, Cat Fancier Podcast. I'm in. The Cat Fancier Podcast. <laughs> We just uh, we just broadcast yowls for thirty minutes. <laughs> I mean, I bet some of our listeners wouldn't be able to tell the difference. <laughs> I can't. But no, really, this is that podcast we'll never do, which is a podcast we do. Uh, I am team leader Josh. Uh, and with me is the Firebrand Cody and Aura the Sundere. <laughs> I'm going to have to Google that, and I'll get back to you if that's bad or not. You're not going to be able <laughs> to spell it. Yeah, there's can, no way you're going to spell that. I can spell sometimes. <laughs> can you this tell us what fun. network we're on? No, I'm busy Googling. Uh <laughs> <laughs> This is, uh, you you probably found it uh, at uh, thatpodcastproductions.fireside.fm. But if you didn't, you should go there because it's awesome. That's our that's our website. I'll, I'll save you the trouble of Googling five different spellings of Sundere uh, <laughs> since you were such a good boy about announcing where it's from. Uh, it's a term in, in Japanese anime for a girl that's kind of a bitch to the main character because she wants to fuck him. Oh, you're right. I would have never been able to spell that. <laughs> also, can I be Yaoi Hands Cody? Also, <laughs> I I guess maybe I'm not offended. That's okay. I it's okay being that character, right? No, the Sundari characters are the worst. Oh, <laughs> never mind. Favorite thing in anime. Get in the robot, Shinji. Every time there's a Sundari character, I'm just like, just shut up. Just shut up. Just stop talking. You're very unpleasant. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so this is our podcast. We do spoilers and we do swear. And Cody, what do we do spoilers and swears about this week? Oh boy. We We are going to get into... Uh, overreaching, would you call it that? I don't know. Uh, we we decided we wanted to do some Spider-Man stuff. You know, people like Spider-Man, um, but we thought we'd put us take us on a journey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you know people know what Spider-Man is. There's a lot of movies. There's some several uh, successful video games. Uh, so we found a uh, a couple of copies of the first eight issues of the English printed Spider-Man, the manga. And we decided that that would pair quite nicely with a trade collection of a, uh, uh, thing that Marvel <laughs> did in the two thousands called Marvel manga verse. Um, I can see I'm going to have fights with people about the manga verse. 
Do you see Maybe. those huge tits in the Ghost Rider one? We're not there yet, Cody. I'm what not gonna, the hell? That's what not was... the one I'm going to defend, if that's the one here. No. <laughs> We're not there yet, Cody. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we, read, uh, we read two of these things, and now we're ready to shuck them open like, a, like an oyster and get those sweets. So a bit behind the curtain, we were originally going to do a Spider-Man episode where it's just regular Spider-Man stuff like Cody was mentioning. Uh, <laughs> and then it was like a week out from when we were supposed to record this, and we were like, hey, we don't actually have any of those comics. <laughs> uh, it would it would cost money to get those quickly. What can we do? <laughs> uh, and uh, Aura and Cody were like, "Hey, at the shop, we got these uh, the Spider Man manga. That's uh, that's fairly cheap." <laughs> and I was like, "I bet I can find a cheap copy of the Marvel manga verse." <laughs> uh, that's what we're doing instead of classic Spider Man. <laughs> we're doing this. It's all right. We're professionals. Uh... It's all right. Former host Kyle would have been upset if we did Spider-Man without him anyway. That's true. Real you can get around to asking him. He's still in baby land. <laughs> so so this actually, from baby this land actually worked out well in some ways. <laughs> to not... I actually like this subject. Yeah. yeah. This will be fun to talk about for sure. <laughs> or oh, something. man. So I guess, I guess where do we want to start on this? Uh, this alphabetically? Business? Well, chronologically. Do you want to do chronological, maybe? If we got to do chronological, then the good one comes first. Uh, well, one of them comes first. <laughs> uh, the the, the Spider-Man manga is an interesting historical relic. Yeah, I did uh, research. That apparently... It is an English translation of a 70s uh, Japanese version of Spider-Man, but it's in the back of the first issue. They explained that actually when they initially tried just directly translating Spider-Man over into Japanese, uh, they just didn't really get into it. Uh, so instead they decided to hire people to create a more Japanese version of Spider-Man. Yeah, so uh, first published in January 1970 through Monthly Shonen Magazine, and there was a writer for six issues that they replaced because it wasn't uh, hitting for the folks over there. <laughs> so the first guy was named, uh, ooh, we're going we're gonna to try, Kosai Ono. And the person who replaced him for the rest of it was uh, Kazumasa Hirai. Uh, and I, so that guy who they brought in, I found out created a series called eight man in 1963. Does that name ring a bell for either of you? I, I have heard of eight man. Uh, heard of it. I don't really. Because so, I'm an video old game person. Based on it, maybe. <laughs> so eight man is apparently considered the first cyborg superhero that predates common rider. That's why. That's why I've heard of it. So that's the guy that they bring in to uh, clean it up. And I looked into it, and I believe we have at this the stuff that we read was the first eight issues, I believe. And uh, uh, I have seven, so if there was an eight, that's uh, ah, don't crap. know where it is. Dang. Okay, it it might have just been seven. Co Cody left it in his toilet. 
<laughs> well, seven is the first one that the new guy started over on. It it had a different publication history than the stuff that uh, that we have. And I was kind of explaining to Aura some of that stuff. Hey, Aura, is Cody frozen for you? I it's been well, not doing his it. voice, but his face was. Yeah, his face was for me, and it was in the best expression. Yeah, his his face will kind freeze of that way. <laughs> It looked like he was kind of like, <laughs> yeah, he had thinking face on. It was great. Anyway, that's <laughs> uh, a, that's a zoom moment for the audience. Uh, according to the covers, at least they went with the consistent artist, which is Ryoichi Ikigama. Yeah, he, um, I looked, there's nothing that he's done. That's really like huge in America, but there's a lot of stuff. He is definitely like a career artist. Ikegami, I mean, not Gama, sorry. Mm. Um. But so uh, after the eighth issue, I can't remember if they get into it, but uh, it's based on the 60s Spider-Man comics that were available at that point in time. So it goes through like the origin, but he's not Peter Parker. It's, uh, it's a student named Yu Komori. Mm-hmm. but same same basic thing for the beginning at least electro is like the the first villain that was weird yeah we're gonna talk about it <laughs> hey um real quickly who has copies in front of them of this at the moment just josh uh, i do and josh, i want those back could you could you real yeah, quickly you could you open up to the front page and tell me who the english translator is on it but yeah, um, these comics, uh, did they write read? I don't remember, Cody. Oh, that's uh, a good question. I can't think no. of it right now. I mean, in the original, they probably did, but in this version, they did not. They did yeah. flip it. I believe it's yeah, left to right. These were released in 97 in America, and at that point, you weren't going to find a whole lot of mango printed. And they are, they are very heavily yeah. censored and like changed versions as well. All the man, I would give it. I'm gonna have to find some fan translations of the original stuff online. I've already been looking into what I have to do to get uh, to get some of these other things that we get to see our quote unquote not Peter kind of Peter Parker do. Yeah. In the first issue, the translator is Mutsumi Masuda, and okay. Interestingly enough, CB CB. That was what I was thinking you were gonna tell me. Okay, who so is, uh, who we're going to encounter again? Yep. Um, <laughs> so we have to talk about this guy for a minute. Um, the yeah. interestingly, he um, he ends up running the company today. Uh, oh really? Yeah, he's the guy wow. who's he became the editor. Maybe where social justice started, right? <laughs> he's he's the guy who uh, took over uh, after af- after Axel Alonso was sort of unceremoniously. Uh, told to 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 be gone um when did that happen do you know uh three years ago it was while i was writing my dissertation so um yeah it was about three years ago i think um and so when he took over the company there was a lot of speculation because he was involved in a lot of this manga stuff that he would sort of um push it that direction 
uh, internationalize the company a little bit. Like work uh, harder towards trying to globalize uh, Marvel's sort of holdings and, and things like that. And, you know, because of COVID, like his toehold wasn't, wasn't as, as sort of um, as intense as it could have been before all of this. Um, but one of the solicitations we have coming out in uh, the pre Marvel previews uh, the month as of this recording is uh, that there's a uh, Ultraman comic. That Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I was reading about that on Milk Creek. So, By the way, I add that to my poll, one of you guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will attempt to remember that. Um, <laughs> and, but, and when you don't, when you see it come in, just be like, oh, hey, Josh wanted one of this. I will. That I that I can promise you, I will do. Yeah, <laughs> that's more my speed, really. Anyway. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, or more. Hey, Cody, do you remember who said they wanted this? Um, <laughs> hey, I think it'll be easy to remember since I have all the fucking DVDs. Now. No, I mean yeah. Uh, it's yeah. Um, so CB Sabilski uh, ends up taking over uh, Marvel and. Um, we have yet to sort of see the extent to which he uh, he has changed the company, but uh, we'll we'll uh, look forward to that in the future. Yep. And some of that is based on what we're reading today. So that's that's that was my uh, contribution to the pod today. Was I, I remembered that CB Sabilski was involved in this stuff. Cool. Good job. Yeah. A for effort. Um, yeah. A lot of this, I gotta say, like I'll just give sort of my review of this uh, up front. Uh, it's really funny shit. Yeah, like, I don't think it's good necessarily, but it is fucking hilarious. Like, I noticed, like you say, Spider-Man is created the same way, but he kind of isn't because yeah. how he's created in this is he doesn't he doesn't go to an Oscorp lab or whatever version <laughs> of it yeah. is. Yeah, uh, he's experimenting with radioactivity at his school. With his teacher, who says, it's extremely dangerous playing with that radioactivity harnessing equipment. I hope you understand that. <laughs> this particular experiment may not even be on the test. <laughs> so he irradiates a spider that bites him. <laughs> oh, careful, Icarus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's just the idea that like, you'd be at high school and you'd just be like... So, in the original, was the original comics origin? Is he at a college and there's somebody's experiment that he goes to, or no? He's the exact. It's still like a. It's either a class field trip or it's something that he is doing for because yeah. he doesn't work at the bugle. He's still a high school student at that point. Yeah, I believe it's yeah, a, that's right. It's a field trip. But he isn't just playing with fucking radioactive material like that's a thing you do in high school. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you don't. <laughs> class of Newcomb High, isn't that what that movie's about? <laughs> uh, I think that's about other people playing with radioactive material near <laughs> high school. Yeah, he does that. There's not there like Aunt May is kind of there. There's no Uncle Ben. Yeah. There's Electro. <laughs> I had a uh I had a teacher in high school that was obsessed with radioactivity, so we had well, fun playing already... with like partially radioactive things and Geiger counters and all that in high school. <laughs> the Uncle Ben equivalent is already dead because I think at one point his aunt says to him, like, your parents and your 
and and my husband are dead and you can't die too or something like that <laughs> more of like a thin veil at like oh yeah this is the connecting thread or maybe i'm mixing that up with the spider-man and the mango verse i don't know that sounds right it like i said i i know it's not like really touched on a ton yeah and he meets like a fucking cousin or something named Rumi that he's really into for the first yeah. time. <laughs> they, she's all she's all like, I'm trying to find my missing brother. He owes ten I need ten thousand dollars for my mother's medical bills. I um, love it so much because it's like if you know those manga and those like anime tropes, like the real, real stuff, and if you know like the Spider-Man stuff, it, it blends so perfect in that like silly but recognizable in like an authentic way. It's so of its era. That like, was exactly what I, I was wondering if you were going to say, Cody. Yeah. Like and reading, it, it's like reading Blackjack or Astro Boy. Yeah. It, it looks early, like. It remind, the art reminds me a lot of early Junji Ito, like the first Tomie stuff. <laughs> like it's just. It's, it, he looks like Devilman. Like it looks like a little bit like Go Nagai at like some of yeah. its like best moments, especially when he's in the suit and some of the fight things. It's like half of the page is him like punching. Yeah. Like I want to. I uh, I looked ahead at some of the other issues and like the ones that are more expensive and rare. And the really really cool image is like one of him looking in a mirror in some like self-reflective moment and it's like three panels of him slowly pulling up the mask and it's just like a sunken like skull and face underneath and that's like issue number 27 is like him looking at this huge wizard of oz mirror and it's like this spider skull underneath him man well i saw that josh you had changed your uh profile uh header to be one of the out of context panels and i remember <laughs> saying to cody when i handed him the books I'm like, I don't know how fun this was, but there are a lot of out-of-context panels you could do with this. I also did an out-of-context quote on my Facebook. Oh, yeah, that's all. right. I remember seeing that. Currently, my uh, Twitter header is something from Drifting Classroom, which is a, uh, sorry, a long panel of like three different teachers holding different students and all like slapping them in the face, telling them to like get a hold of themselves. Gosh, I wish. <laughs> Uh, my, my Facebook header thing is a, an unfortunately cropped version of a, of a long panel of Spider-Man saying, it's not true. They misunderstand my intentions, <laughs> which I, I felt was apropos for me. Um, they, they really, so especially for Spider-Man, there is that like Peter Parker luck. Like that's such a consistent thing in the comics is. He just gets shit on is in his everyday life, in his professional life. There's always the, there's periods where he'll either lose part of his powers or he gets part of his powers removed or he wants to give it up for the sake of like actually attempting at a social life. And mm. they, uh, they push that real hard in this later. Yep. The other out of context quote that I wanted to do that I, that I posted on Facebook, which is probably my favorite quote from these issues, is uh, critics say that criminals like Electro reflect the changing nature of today's society. <laughs> which, I, as goofy no, as the quote right. sounds, it's even goofier in context because it's when Peter Parker is at a newspaper and there's just newspaper men standing around the water cooler saying that shit. Like, that's the thing you say. 
<laughs> would you uh would you posted that i didn't even think that you were reading this i first thought you were just watching the the andrew the garfield movie. like amazing yeah. spider-man 2 it sounds That's like what something I thought, from too. that <laughs> such a goofy fucking quote yeah uh, and then later so, okay so electro so, so Rumi the cousin shows up and she's all like i gotta find my fucking brother my mom needs money uh, I don't know. I wasn't actually clear what her relationship was to them. Like Peter, not not Peter Parker is sure fucking jazzed to meet her for her being a cousin. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> but I think that's that's more okay in Japan, I guess. I bet that's um, one of the weird translation things because Peter Parker has a girlfriend, or not Peter Parker has a girlfriend later. That in the okay. stuff that gets censored when he is uh, this. <laughs> They pull a full on Evangelion. There's a part where he's like supposed to be studying and he just turns and it's a silhouette, but he's beating off like at his desk at home. And then there's a point where he's like thinking about all the things that he could do with his Spider-Man powers if he wasn't like responsible. And he and his girlfriend are like running on the beach and he like they're, it's not, uh, it's, it definitely doesn't come off as non-consensual, but he definitely like rips off her top like while they're like running and chasing each other on the beach. Man, fucking Japanese culture is weird as shit. <laughs> <laughs> it is like there are a lot, there's a weird vein of sexuality in it. Lolita, how, yeah. there's all sorts of uh, things. That's a big discussion. Uh, <laughs> that's what she said. So uh, he, she, the cousin is all like, you know, I got to find my brother and get 10 grand. Spider-Man was all like, oh, I gotta, you know, I'll make 10 grand for you, and then you'll like me. Um, <laughs> and so he decided to do catching Electro, who is this super criminal who showed up out of anywhere. Who, what could Electro's secret identity be, guys? I can't think in this scenario that we've painted so far who could possibly be Electro under the mask. <laughs> uh, and they have a bunch of punch-ups, and eventually it's revealed. Shock, it's the brother is Electro. No, oh what? God, who could have foreseen? Does uh, did the issues Spider Man beats get, him get... up, maybe kills him. It's not really clear. <laughs> uh, the the sister refers to him as having been killed. <laughs> but I don't know if she's being figurative or not. Um she doesn't seem very bothered by it. <laughs> <laughs> And there's a great panel too of Spider-Man. Like my second favorite quote is Spider-Man being, I can't remember the exact quote, but he's like, he's talking about like, well, Electro kind of, you know, when you think about it, Electro really had a bad deal. It's, it wasn't really his fault. And I'm like, he killed people. <laughs> this incarnation of Electro murdered people so that he could, in his own words, be the richest man in the world. He's like, he's not a good guy. He's like, look, if I was messing with radioactive material and I got bit by a spider, maybe this guy also like <laughs> didn't know that this it's, was going to happen. It's so weird. Like, if you want to make you, him the sympathetic character, you do what I assume they're doing, where the brother is like, oh, well, I gotta, I gotta find a way somehow to pay for my mother's medical bills. Yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna do increasingly shady things to get it. But nope, he hits a kid with a car. This is his backstory. Well, he's working for a, a driving company. He runs a fucking kid over. Uh, and so he keeps having to get shitty jobs to try and pay it back. And finally, he's the, the guy, the, the kid's father, I guess, is a fucking engineer. And he's like, hey, how about instead of paying me back, uh, I turn you into the electrical man so you can fucking 
rob banks and murders <laughs> we can get money and he's like sure i want to be very wealthy i'm pretty sure that's actually how the scorpion becomes a bad guy though <laughs> it's almost <laughs> the exact same thing it's like hey you want to be put in a giant scorpion suit he's like yeah sure and he's like oh damn you jameson you put me in the scorpion suit <laughs> yeah and then uh, we also have to talk about the version of J. Jonah Jameson in this, who, who <laughs> seems to be a, the, the head of the newspaper who has put, like, they put out a reward for $100,000 for anyone who could catch Electro uh, as a stunt, and then they're mad because they had to pay it off to Spider-Man, who I guess cashed a check made out to Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so he's like, I'm going to ruin Spider-Man <laughs> for... <laughs> for, <laughs> for, for you put this through a credit unit? that I was legitimately offering to pay a bounty for the capture of this criminal. <laughs> so yeah, it's a pretty it's just, great read. It's, it's so fucking silly. Then the next, the next arc is about the lizard who was like... Because like Spider-Man has a classmate whose dad runs uh, some sort of company that's being attacked by the lizard. Uh, and Spider-Man eventually finds out that the lizard is the scientist that he knows uh, who was on a some sort of archaeological theft tour or something with the head of this company. <laughs> and the head of the company threw him into a pit with a bunch of lizards to try and make off with their discoveries. But uh, he, be he began... The, the scientist begins imitating the lizards, which gradually transforms him into a lizard. <laughs> no, no chemicals needed here. He just, he just becomes one, uh, but he can't control it, so he murders his wife. And then he's going to murder his way through all these people at the company. Oh, the lizard and and like... in that one, Spider-Man is weirdly sympathetic for the, like, the boss of the company whose excuse for his actions is, hey, you got to get ahead in business somehow. Yeah, Spider-Man plays the devil's advocate a lot in, this, <laughs> in these ones. He has a weird sense of morality. It's not well defined. He's like, I didn't ask for this. <laughs> and then in the, other, in the last one, it's one issue where he's fighting a fucking pro wrestler slash murderer. <laughs> where they yeah. basically say he's been outlawed in America. Like, he's a murderer. And also, he's been outlawed from professional wrestling in America. <laughs> so we like, let him professionally wrestle here. I think they do it in the reverse order. They're like, he's a professional wrestler who murders people. He got banned from wrestling in America. I'm like, you're burying the fucking lead. He's a murderer. He's a murderer <laughs> who used to be a professional wrestler. He's a murder man. Uh... The art on this reminds me, like, if you've seen old Japanese uh, manga from, from the 70s, it looks a lot of that style. It's not exceptional for that style, but it's a fun style. They have a bit simplistic, like... It's a good, it's a good go back. It's not like we have, you know, tons of tons of stuff that looks like it. But yeah, it looks similar-ish to, to things that are recognizable. Yeah. It's sort of a more stripped down look, more like comic strips than... And the, the, what we think of as the anime and manga look now. Mm. With like more detailed faces and things. Um, yeah, overall, no. It's, 
Uh, it was a breezy. My, my review is it's it's fun shit. It's it's yeah. fun garbage. It was a fun breezy read. I did it's it so and quick to read. I, so I read the words in this fucking. I read topic. those eight issues in like fifteen minutes at the end of a shift at the shop one day, so, to make sure Cody could take it with him. Yeah, no, it took me about that long to read seven issues. Uh, it's the density of it is tiny. Like it, you just fly through them. Mm-hmm. Like I read them quicker than I I read the pages almost quicker than I could turn them. Yeah. It's cool. It's um, cool art for sure. And they like the early issues, I guess, got printed a lot more. So if you want to get the individual issues, they're like three bucks a piece, at least up until like the, the late teens for those issues. Yeah. And then good luck finding the later ones. Yeah, I found the best listings I could find were about like 15 and 20 bucks a piece for like the, the key issues of the late things. Because it sounds like uh, I would—I told Aura this. There were 13 stories that were published in the original version, and eight of them made the translation to 31 English issues. But the 31st issue was like the start of the eighth story, and then it just got canceled. Like the American reprints got canceled, I guess, because they like cut too much stuff out of the earlier ones, and they couldn't like. <laughs> tie up ends that hadn't been technically started so they're just like oh that's it so it's that's like all we got so i think 27 is like the last issue that's like the finale or like the big denouement of like one of them 27 is the cool skull one it ran according to wikipedia it ran in america for 31 issues uh yeah. which collected eight of the 13 arcs that were done in japan That's what Wikipedia says. That's Wikipedia. what I said. All right. Anything else we want to say about Spinner Manga? I quite enjoyed it, too. Yep. The covers are great as well. They uh, are. They have that, that sort of painted Japanese style that's on the cover of, uh, you know, on the cover of many of these books, too. I like two in particular. Oh yeah, that one's good. Yeah, or three, I guess. Not two. The the last one that they made, issue number thirty one, looks like one like the very stereotypical sixties like swinging Spider Man pose, like forward facing, <laughs> clenched fist that's holding like one web strand. Spider Man, Spider Man does what a spider can. All right. So, so we uh, want to move on to the. Manga verse, yeah. Let us. What is the manga verse, Aura? Oh shit! I don't know. Uh, it was uh, well, what was it really, or what? What you know? Um, it was really a cash grab on the part of Marvel that was like, "Hey, this manga stuff's doing real well. Uh, let's uh, it's let's go ahead and two. People let's... were liking the manga." Yeah, let's uh, let's make some like, of our own. But let's uh, let's have American writers and American artists do it in in the in what they would hope to, you know, aped the style a little bit. And I I think the writers on this particular thing, um, you know, uh, got the memo in different uh, you know, in different ways. That's that's what I'll say about this. Enact it differently. That's certainly the truth. Yeah. <laughs> Um, 
for the instance, first, the first person, the person who does the framing stuff. Yeah. Who does the writing and art for That's them. Peter David. No, it's Ben Dunn. Oh, Ben Dunn. I'm sorry. I want, I want to talk about Ben Dunn for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you do. Because he's a, he's a special guy, that one. He's, because he used to write... Here's the thing about Ben Dunn that I think... And I, w- I wonder how much Cody knows about this kind of stuff. Because he's a fan of anime, but he's a bit younger. And I don't know if he knows what it was oh. like to be a fan of anime in the 80s. <laughs> I mean, I've... Um, I don't know exactly, but I mean, I know podcasts and I know, you know, getting your bootleg VHS tapes from, you know, a surly gentleman at a, you know, sketchy looking video store. I'll try not to take that personally, Cody. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm the sketchy individual selling that stuff. (laughs) Hey, you got any horse? Yeah. Lots. (laughs) Was that was that all you wanted to say, Josh? Uh, no, I was just looking up something really quick. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, so back in the eighties, uh, there had been the first wave of anime coming over to America. Uh, it often in forms that were somewhat changed from their original version, uh, where you would get Battle of the Planets or you would get Robotech. Oh my God, uh, Battle of the Planets! Can I talk about Battle yeah. of the Planets for like thirty minutes, real fast? Uh, if we can do a Robotech podcast after. Yes. <laughs> they never broadcast the one that I recorded for that other show, Cowards. <laughs> <laughs> They're scared of all of my robo knowledge. Oh, you're um, talking about our former network mates. Yep. Uh, <laughs> stuff like Speed Racer, uh, stuff like Voltron. Uh, these were sort of, these were, after some initial attempts to bring stuff like Astro Boy and to an extent Speed Racer over more or less unchanged. Uh, there's then seemed to be a wave of stuff being brought over that was being altered to fit an American audience uh, and, and to find a place within the, let's say the toy-centric world of kids' entertainment in the 80s. Where you would have these like, cartoons that were largely around selling product. Well, so there's all kinds of storylines in uh, Battle of the Planets, for instance, that are just not for kids. <laughs> like, um, And then... They, you know, Sandy Frank, for instance, turns Battle of the Planets into a kid's show by adding a character that looks a, a lot to like uh, R2-D2 with, a, with an annoying voice. Uh, <laughs> Seven Zark Seven, by the way. Uh, yeah. So, um, and that's, that's what ends up becoming uh, G-Force, you know, when I was a kid. And I fell in love with G-Force. For Robotech, I know, I think at least Macross had several scenes of nudity. And yeah. I think a bit, quite a bit more blood, too. Um, with these shows were being brought over into this, this kids, this emerging kids entertainment, uh, toy selling juggernaut in an attempt to find a place for them in the market. Uh, meanwhile, some people who were adults or man-children uh, were watching some of this stuff and being curious about what the original Japanese stuff was. Uh, and so Hit you me with the hard as Cody stuff. was saying a bunch of, was that? Hit me with the hard stuff. Yeah, basically. Uh, and there were a lot of clubs of people that would bring stuff over and either do fan translations or just watch it and have no idea what anybody was saying, but just watching Akira and being like, this is fucked. <laughs> uh, and eventually the wave of stuff like Akira that were the next wave of, of stuff that was translated and brought over as like, no, this is, adult animation 
but that was more towards the, the end of the 80s. I believe that was happening, end of the 80s or early 90s. Uh, but in the meantime, you had this period where anime was about fan clubs and fan dubs and uh, very little access to the materials that people were fans of, which seems strange that there would be a fandom that couldn't actually access the material that it was a fan of. Uh, so sometimes you would see oddity projects. Enter Ben Dunn. Uh, ben Dunn was an, an indie comics guy, I guess, who was just starting out, uh, who was a fan of a lot of these club-level uh, anime programs that were being brought over. In particular, the, the sort of like the mecha stuff, but also romantic comedy stuff, like Rumiko Takahashi stuff, like uh, Ranma or... Yeah, Rama. with Loom that I can never remember the name of and always wonder if I'm accidentally saying the name of Overfiend instead. <laughs> um, they have similar names. Yeah. Um, uh, I think the earliest Tenchi? I think there was a, an early version of Tenchi in the 80s. Although the more famous one was the 90s one. Uh, but I'm not very well-schooled on Tenshi. Anyway, uh, he'd seen all of these shows and he knew that they weren't very available to America, to an America that uh, I still remember when the Hollywood video opened up in, in Omaha, which is not a small city. Uh, and that, the Hollywood video opening up was the first time there was an anime shelf at the rental store. <laughs> so it was the first real access to that kind of stuff in a, in a systematic way there was never any um, there oh yeah there's hardly anything you just it was you no. watch gal force and md geist over and over again and like it no but, i mean <laughs> there was a no, show. i mean that it was always checked out because i yeah. was interested in that stuff and yeah. every time i'd go in there i'd be like well i kind of want to see this but it's not here and the only ones that would still be there would be md geist and gal force <laughs> 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 Like 80, 80s and 90s anime fans know what I'm fucking saying. <laughs> those watched those shows a lot and pretended you liked it. <laughs> Gal Force was okay. MD Geist was garbage. Anyway, um, so uh, Ben Dunn had seen all of these things through these clubs and he decided he wanted to make it more available in a very weird way by making a comic very strongly <laughs> influenced by these shows that he'd seen by the uh project aco would be another one that was heavy influence on him i think um these madcap actiony comedy harem shows that were quite different than the ones today yeah it has that vibe in spades ah oh, that makes so much sense uh so he created ninja high school which is a, a comic book about jeremy feeple who's this sort of nerdy kid who finds out that uh He's secretly engaged to a ninja and also there's an alien princess that wants to marry him and a school teacher who's a witch who wants to marry him and you see where it goes from here, anime fans. <laughs> uh, which is a comic that's published 170 issues. So uh, if nothing else, it's something of an achievement as an indie thing. Uh, he was also involved in the founding of Antarctic Press about who you can say they exist. Uh, Antarctic <laughs> Press. Been done. Antarctic Press has become a fascinating company if you watch the industry, because like they have these like 
most of their output for decades was this was the Ben Don stuff basically. It was Ninja yeah. High School, Warrior Nun, Ariella, Robotech reprints, you know, how Road to figures. draw books. But it was all Ben Done. I mean, that was oh, all. Oh, that oh. makes the how to draw books like a light bulb just went off in my head because yeah. I, I can I can talk about art school experience and how like this exact style is why professors like hate manga or anime stuff, especially if you try to like squeeze that into art projects because they're like, there's no market for this. Blah blah blah. It's not art those arguments and it's because those books are like at every bookstore how to draw in a manga style and it's clearly not written by a person who is a manga artist yeah ben dunn was one of the first americans to really work in a manga influenced style yeah wow and And i mean kind of very important in that way mm -hmm. and and then something happened to antarctic press about eight or ten years ago that just turned them overtly political. So they're the people who now publish those like, you know, uh, like uh, Sarah Palin versus the world is the one I'm remembering, but like, you know, Trump-averse things. They, and just, they did that AOC stuff, didn't they? I think that's them, yeah. yeah. And they've done some of it. They didn't do the Trump's Titans ones that we did. They didn't do the Trump's Titans ones, so thankfully. Can't put that on them. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Good God, that uh, sin belongs to others. Uh, but but yeah, that's where they're making their bread and butter now is by by these sort of overtly political comics. Barack the Barbarian. That was Devil's Due, buddy. Oh, that one was Devil's Due. Uh, they might have re-come out on Antarctic. I'm not sure. No, but the ones I know. Right. Devils it was probably always Devil's Due. Uh, anyway, yeah. but they they've come out with a bunch of these political comics yeah. that. I can't find the titles of because I was trying to look them up before I said it out loud. I did look uh, up Ben Dunn's Twitter, as you do now when you're looking up somebody who's an artist from your childhood to be like, okay, are they a Nazi now? And he didn't, I didn't see, he almost exclusively plugs his work with one brief, I guess it's political tweet where he says, you, we can offer people a choice. You can wear a mask or we can be, uh, or we can shut everything down for another year. Which <laughs> seems on the right side of that question to be asked to be asking that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess oh, I can't uh, say Barack that he says anything Panther was there. his. What was? Barack Panther was Antarctic ah. Press, okay. and the and the tremendous Trump. Ain't got to make money. Uh, I mean, that's where they uh, Gold Digger was that company too. I yeah. forgot about Gold Digger for a minute. Jeez. I actually do. I have a, I have a Time Lincoln versus Tremendous Trump or something that I got. It was sure. either a free comic day or a dollar or something. <laughs> yeah. It's not good. Um, Can't imagine. But, but I have to confess now, uh, when I was a kid, I read a shitload of Ben Dunn uh, Ninja High School. It was among the few comics that I read, uh, partly because he was publishing on Eternity at that time which was also doing the Robotech Sentinels material. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so I honestly learned more about the sort of Japanese harem action comedy from Ninja High School than from Rumiko Takahashi. 
That's how I mean. That's, that's a thing from my generation. We learn it as much from the imitators as as from the original. At least there's that stepping stone for it. Yeah. I'm not objective. I actually like Ben Don's work. I don't think it's amazing, but I I, I think he's he's fun enough. And <laughs> I I honestly think that I will say that. Comparing the Ben Dunn stuff in this to the Spider stuff, like the, the beginning and ending stories of the Mangaverse trade, uh, it's very dense and talky, which is certainly something I remember about Ninja High School as well. It was compared to how breezy the Spider Man was, it was a bit of a, a bit of a slog. <laughs> it was it was a bit of a slog. Now that you mention it, I was uh, sitting in my hot car. Uh, out front of the store to make sure to get this to go again, trying to get it to Cody in a timely manner. I was like, I'll take 10 (laughs) minutes and go ahead and get through this real fast. And I like 15 (laughs) minutes later, I'm like, Oh my God, it's hot out here. Like, why is this happening (laughs) still? And you weren't through the first frame story. Right. (laughs) I'm telling you, Ben Dunn, it's very, it's thick comics. Get your money's worth. He also, like, there's a lot of signatures of him in here. Like, I, I see a lot of his work in, in ways that would be boring to describe in these character designs. Yeah. But there's, for instance, a panel in the concluding one where they have the X-Men coming out of, the, out of their version of the jet shit that they fly around in, where they're all, like, sh- shouting shit except Psyche Lock, who's jumped out of it with the rest of them and is, like, in a kicking motion, but is thinking, why did I do this? I don't know how to fly. Or I can't yeah. fly. Uh, you get a lot of little jokes in Ben Dunn, like a lot of little asides, like, oh, isn't it wacky? Ain't it weird? So, so, uh, so yeah. So the framing story is, this is a, an alternate universe where the Avengers more or less exist, but Tony Stark is, everyone thinks he's dead, but I guess he's a severed head. Mm-hmm. Um, and Just like Disney. His, his sister or cousin Antoinette is taken over instead. Um, as as a, the Avengers. Who's a hot shot. Who's nope. naked on page three. That too. Who is a hot shot and a Republican, although we also get the implication that Steve Rogers isn't. <laughs> yeah, President huh? Steve Rogers. Yes, he's the president here. He thanks her for a contribution, but says thanks for the contribution. But I thought you usually voted Republican, so I was like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> Captain America wouldn't be a Republican. Fuck yeah. <laughs> anyway, little political nerd rage there. Um, they, uh, it definitely has all of that. Like he knows the tropes that he's going for, but if you don't know that same source material, I don't think it comes off as like fun or easy as like the Spider-Man manga stuff. Yeah. That's it, this stuff would be very perplexing to people who don't know <laughs> a lot about manga. For instance, uh, about the only of the characters that he includes about the only one that I would say is sort of a not headline character is Tigra. Yeah. And to normal people, you might be like, why the fuck is Tigra in this book? Like she's a like C tier Avenger. Why is she the one that's hanging out? And people who know anime tropes are like, she's the cat girl. <laughs> Gotta have a cat girl in there when you have a harem anime. I mean, 
to be fair to Tigra, she was a member of the West Coast Avengers for over a hundred issues. Oh no, I'm just saying in terms of public visibility, like there hasn't been a Tigra movie. Um, Well, West Coast Avengers wouldn't have been completely removed from the comic book imagination in 2002. Okay, sorry I insulted your West Coast Avengers. Look, like, if it were, if Marvel Comics just published Guardians of the Galaxy and West Coast Avengers, like, I'd be fine. That's all I need. I think you'd be fine, but the company wouldn't. Yeah, I think the company would be would be uh, residing with Prince Namor. <laughs> oh, oh uh, web, web of Underwater, because they'd be unprofitable. It would need a third title. It would be Web of Spider-Man. I Not a, regular Spider-Man, Web of Spider-Man. That's correct. Somebody kept constantly, ta- the other day, was like, yeah, I'm looking for all the Namor back issues. I didn't see that you had any. I was like, oh, yeah, pro- somebody's probably already like picked clean through what we have. And he's like, yeah, they're going to make a Submariner movie. So I've been going around to like all these other stores and trying to get all the Submariner and all the, you know, Namor comics that I can. And he said it like 10 times. So I was like, I'm not going to nerd correct this guy, but it was pissing me off. It's like, I don't even like this character. I hate that guy. <laughs> is there, is there supposed to be a Submariner movie now? No. That's what this, uh, this, yeah, crackpot alleged. <laughs> No, Jesus, uh, Uni- Universal has the rights to to Neymar for whatever reason, uh, and they've been holding them hostage. Uh, I assume because when Marvel made these deals in the uh, in the nineties, they said, you know, uh, you could have you know access to this character and any derivative characters that come from it, and you could make an argument that Marvel comics doesn't exist without Namor because that was their first hero. Mm-hmm. So well, universal can't make that argument in court. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, I mean, I, that would be the only reason to hold on to Namor of all friggin' characters though, you know? Yeah. I mean, they're just hoping there'll be demand for it and they can ransom it back. Yeah, maybe I that mean, too. Speaking of a hostage that no one fucking cares if you shoot, though. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think that's exactly what the what everybody is clamoring for is one more superhero movie. <laughs> one more Namor movie. I'd be happy with any movies right now, to be honest. <laughs> okay, now, now we're making it sad. Um, <laughs> so the friend story it. is about these Avengers. Uh, Hydra has this plot to destroy the world or take it over or some shit by making Bruce by kidnapping Bruce Banner and getting Namor to attack the land but I guess they don't realize that Bruce Banner is going to summon the Hulk but maybe they do and they're really trying to summon Dormammu I'm not super clear on what the plot is in terms of the bad guys (laughs) yeah this was a lot they do this sort of layering thing where they're like this is what I wanted to happen all along it's not uh it's not amazingly cohesive no but it has some cool action scenes uh and those are the framing stories the first and last story the ben dunn ones and then the rest of them are there are (laughs) six other stories uh which are just sort of cut-ins to different characters within this universe uh, there's an Avengers story with art by Udon, who I was mostly familiar with uh, 
Not all of these are awful, awful. I was mostly familiar with Udon awful, from awful. art from the uh, role-playing game Exalted. <laughs> uh, the Fantastic Four is written by Adam Warren, who I believe we did a comic by. Uh, yeah. I believe we did... Uh, Howard. Empowered, yeah, empowered. Sorry. Yep. Uh, yeah, we did his uh, his his jubbly comic. Uh, he's not doing the art here though, which seems kind of weird. Uh, I know that Warren was heavily involved in the early some of the early days of bringing manga over because he did translations for Dirty Pair, I think, or or either that or he wrote American stories based on the characters which is about two women secret agents. Get your minds out of the gutter. Um, <laughs> the Fantastic... Let's see. The Avengers one is mediocre. The Fantastic Four one is... Uh, I didn't really care for it. Uh, there's the Ghost Rider one. That's Chuck Austin. That Chuck Austin. Uh, at, his, at his worst, I would say. <laughs> uh, and I don't even... The plot of it is okay... Uh, he was doing it's, both. It's trying to be humorous. It doesn't have anything to do with anime or manga. Yeah, it's just well, a story was, about Damon Hellstrom and and Ghost Rider. He was doing art and writing on this one too, which was interesting. Uh, the art is dog shit. <laughs> this is that's fucking that's, terrible. The art is so bad. Like it's 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 so bad. It made me like. When I first looked at it, I was like, this is a misprint, right? Is the... It looks like... <laughs> it, is... it looks like flash drawings over a, a fucking background made in Poser. That, that one single comic, I feel like, almost devalues the other stuff around it that's not nearly as bad, but just by association. And it's, like, almost exactly in the middle of the book, too. So if you just, like, flip through it, it's one of the, like... It's in the later half of the book, but I feel like you hit it pretty early. Yeah. It's just, it's all, it's upsetting. And it just, it, it doesn't feel manga at all. Like it doesn't, yeah. it, it feels like nobody told him what was happening with it this book. Feels like it's somebody. The story is Damon Hellstrom and <laughs> is trying to get Ghost Rider to hang out with him. And he's like, you're actually a son of Satan too. And he turns him into Ghost Rider. And then they have to fight his giant sister who has huge tits. <laughs> that's an um, understatement and the plot there are some I think kind of funny bits in the dialogue yeah there's where some I stuff think you see that Austin isn't the worst writer necessarily <laughs> I mean I wasn't getting that impression but <laughs> I didn't I wasn't familiar with anything else mm. Cody's decided to go on and do projects during our podcast here. Oh my god. Way to look behind the curtain. You can't hear me gluing things. <laughs> yes, you I can. Hear can your I, bird. I, I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do about my pet. <laughs> Drax, do you want to say hello to the audience? There you go. The, the only thing I like about the Austin, I guess, is the premise, which is that. Damon Hellstrom is this like we're we're in this world full of evil Satan shit and uh, 
and Ghost Rider is just like a regular guy who's like, what are you talking about? Like, why are you doing <laughs> this? Why'd you just rip your shirt open to show me a pentagram you have on your fucking stomach, you weirdo? <laughs> so, yeah, it's like, what are you talking about? I was a stunt man. Yeah. My skull just happens to be on fire. Um, that's the only thing redeeming in it. It's fucking garbage. It, and whoever the editor was on this book could not have allowed it to be published. This is it would uh, be a better book if you just removed it. Well, Chuck the, Austin uh, was kind of the hot name at the time. Like he was on, he was on like eight books, and it ended up because of that, you know, because of that overworked and overtaxed sort of thing. The quality yeah. of everything suffered, but he was a hot name for you know a couple yeah. of months, a few months back in that era. And I think it's worth saying that Chuck Austin, because because of that, he was treated very badly by online fans in one of the early sort of online shitty treatments of people, and got like death threats and shit. I one hundred percent would agree that. that they yeah he pile on culture. Look, I don't like I don't like this thing by Chuck Austin. I'm not going to tweet him a death threat over it. Yeah, because who fucking cares? I'm gonna maybe not read other stuff by Chuck Austin. Yeah, like maybe if someone asked me if I like Chuck Austin, I'll be like, "Well, I read this one thing and it was kind of shit." Like, <laughs> you don't. I think that's an important thing because we're we're very critical of stuff sometimes on this show, and I I like making sport of stuff, but it's never with malice. Like, I don't want people's lives to be worsened by the jokes that we make on our show. And sure. Chuck Austin is somebody who was treated bad by fans to a point where his life was worsened and that fucking sucks mm-hmm. you know don't do that <laughs> don't I'm not, why i don't know why people have who are adults have to be told this don't fucking do that <laughs> no bad bad comics fans <laughs> <laughs> but acting like fucking children um the next one is the punisher with uh peter david Ooh, can I, can I, can uh, I, can I? Feel free. <laughs> okay, so here is the, this is the encapsulation, in my opinion, of what we read in one story. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm reading the Wikipedia description of this Punisher comic right now. Unlike Frank Castle, Mongerverse Punisher you, does not use firearms, but martial arts skills and a whip which she uses to punish evildoers into submission. She also has a predisposition for bizarre forms of punishment, including a tickling a crime boss's feet with feathers or spanking someone on the bottom. Because of this, she is referred to as Tokyo's kinkiest superhero. Also, she uses a costume, which makes her resemble a geisha, and wears facial makeup, which gives the illusion of her face being a skull. Her base of operations is located within the school where she works. The entrance opens by moving a small skull inside of her office. I like Peter David. His run <laughs> on Incredible Hulk was very good. That's why this comic was the hardest one for me to read, I think, because I yeah. really wanted it to be good. And it's just one joke about, oh, the Punisher is uh, spanking people. Yeah, Punisher this is a guy should that spanks people, guys. What if the Punisher, hey guys, 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 what if, just what if the Punisher was a chick that spanked people? Yeah, right. 
It's a joke you make drunkenly at a comic book convention after party. It's not a fucking comic. It's good for like a one panel Gary Larson comic strip. Like that's yeah. that's the joke right there. It's like one it's it's one good chuckle guffaw moment and then you move on. It's not really something you can pull 32 pages out of. Yeah. And there's another like the Punisher in this has a sister who becomes I don't know, somebody with a fucking sword? I don't know who the fuck that's supposed to be. Uh, The Punisher blinds one of the bad guys, and I kept expecting he'll be like, oh, well, he'll come back and be like, well, now that I'm blind, I don't have any fear of you or something. Nope. No, we never get that. (laughs) Like, it's it's weird. Not only in that, the, the, the premise is fucking shallower than a fucking puddle on a hot day uh (laughs) but also in that the only connection to marvel is that the character is the punisher and the only connection to manga is that the character dresses like a geisha (laughs) yeah in tokyo like there's there's just nothing Even, even like, you could even go so far as, like, the Ben stuff. I mean, Ben Dunn stuff is a little bit more connected, but it's kind of the same thing. I mean, like, he hits some tropes, but there is nothing, like, other than somebody who doesn't really know what manga is, and then you show them this book, and you ask them, is this manga? They'd go, like, I don't know, yeah, I guess, because it says that on the title. (laughs) It looks it way more so. I'll, I'll give it credit, like way more so than any of the other stuff in this book, for sure. Yeah, but like if you held up like one of the black and white pages of the other thing that we read, and then you held up one of the the pages from this thing, from this or the Spider Man one at the end, and we're like point to the manga. Hmm. That one I feel like would be an easy. Trash well, I mean, treasure. that's sort of the fault of the premise <laughs> of creating a manga verse comic and not actually having any actual manga creators. These manga is a national style, and Americans can't do manga. I uh, I found stop, a. U- stop it, white people. <laughs> stop I, it. It can't all be about you, okay? You get to make hip hop now. Is that not enough? <laughs> or you want to make manga? Sorry. Just, no, you're fine. <laughs> just, just do the polite, appropriate thing, and if you're going to do something like that, do it like Kaiju Max. You know, make it your own thing. Yeah. You can be inspired. Kaiju Max doesn't really have the pretensions. Yeah. And but, I think in Ben Dunn's own work, like, he refers to himself more as manga-influenced than trying to say that he is a manga creator. Yeah. I think. It could be wrong. It might be bad. so the next one is the spider-man one uh what do you do when you're doing spider-man in a manga context you make him a ninja i'll take obvious plot directions for a thousand alex this character doesn't go away for a very long time yeah i think i actually because when you first mentioned this i think i had read a trade of a spider the Spider-Man manga that was just Spider-Man that went on after this. Yeah, Spider-Man of the Ninth Nine Clans or Nine Fists or something. Yeah. So when you first mentioned doing Spider the Spider manga, I didn't I wasn't aware of the seventies one. I thought that's what we were doing. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
Yeah, it's fine. I figured I never remembered reading it and being like it was very readable. One good. <laughs> and, that's, and, that's, and that's sort of what I would say about this uh, this this Spider-Man version here. It's very readable. It isn't necessarily great. It's just there. Taking just, up space. Yeah. Went out of book. <laughs> very true. Uh, next one is the X-Men, which are just it just feels like another version of the X-Men. Yeah, it did. It just feels like an Elseworlds version of X-Men. These these all seemed like the type of things that would be cuz I remember I can't remember if it was a free comic book day thing or whatever, but there was that that Scotty Young cover book that was like what if the Marvel babies were old and it had Doc like an old man Doc Ock in the Scotty Young style holding up some of them and it wasn't like all Scotty Young stuff it was like two pages of that and then like a bunch of other gag comics but those are all like two to three pages long and like a 15 page thing not a how many pages would you say this is like 120 I'd say it's closer to 200 Ugh. Yeah, I definitely skimmed through a fair amount of these ones. Well, yeah. so the so the Marvel MangaVerse, I mean, the, this thing claims it's the complete volume, but it's really not. It's the complete volume one, because there's a second volume that comes out a couple years later uh, that, you know, continues some of these stories. And then there's a third volume that comes out something like 10 years later, uh, in addition to the side story with the Spider Clan stuff, so I mean, all in all, there there could be an omnibus worth of stuff for this, like fifty issues of it. So it, you know, it's so weird because the story in here comes to a strong conclusion, in which two of its characters are raptured away. Yeah. I found a video on YouTube by somebody who I don't know if that's actually what Ben Dunn sounds like. Uh, it didn't. It he had like uh, like one thousand views on that video, and I think it was like five hundred subscribers. But it was like an eight minute video of him talking about the process of like submitting his idea, and he seemed to uh, whoever this person was, if they really are that guy or not, claimed that like they didn't uh, know about all of the other ones and seemed to not, you know, they didn't disparage it, but they were like, some people did some other stuff that, uh, you know, their own take on manga, I guess. And uh, uh, Well, it's, it's worth noting that uh, most of the side stories, uh, are the side stories, Ghost Riders uh, and The Punisher don't appear in the mm -hmm. framing story. Uh, Spider-Man, uh, Fantastic Four, and X-Men all do appear, but usually just for a couple panels. Mm -hmm. So most of the middle of this doesn't matter to the story. So I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't. Like if at the end he was like, here's some character models for the, the X-Men, draw a panel of them fighting. Yeah. Uh, the conclusion, there's a big punch-up, which I kind of like. Uh, here's a super great Ben Dunn panel. Uh, of <laughs> I saw that online. Getting hit on the head with uh, with Thor's hammer and his eyeball popping out. I have seen that exact panel in Ninja High School because that's Ben Dunn's a big guy gets hit by something panel. What he <laughs> likes to do with the eye popping out, very veiny. Uh, which is it's a fun panel, so I don't mind him reusing it. 
<laughs> they minded it a lot when The Walking Dead did it, though. <laughs> yeah, Walking Dead pretends to be Artie. I'm just... Dang. Pound yeah, Ben Dunn does. <laughs> <laughs> um... And it's all, it's, I don't know, it's all nonsense. I don't want to explain the rest of the plot in the one. It's, it's just <laughs> weird nonsense. It's not worse nonsense than some other comic events, but it's nonsense. Mm-hmm. It's they have to fight, they have to fight Hulk and they have to fight Dormammu and they summon Thor. <laughs> That's why, I, yeah, I don't have more to say about this one. I, I really don't either. Yeah. Uh, I liked the frame story because I'm a, I'm a mark for Ben Dunn. <laughs> that was, that was the thing I discovered reading this was like, Oh, I do kind of just like Ben Dunn, I guess. I, I'm not sure that these are great and that other people will like them. I won't, wouldn't be surprised if everyone else in the podcast dislikes it, but, but <laughs> I don't know. I read the shit when I was little. It was fun. Um, the rest of them are mostly shit. Well, they're <laughs> mediocre or shit. <laughs> yeah. They're, yeah. yeah, some of, a couple of them aren't that bad. There was definitely one or two where I was like, I bet this person had like a very successful DeviantArt account, and I bet that they have improved their style from like these things. I mean, I think a lot of these people are really well known. Like the like the Avengers Assemble Udon guy, he gets work. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know all the other. I don't know who some of the other artists are, or I might. Uh, who were the artists? Um, Armada. Nope. Presumably not featuring Herman Menderchunk. <laughs> uh, Austin did his own art, of course. Leah Hernandez. I feel like I've seen that name somewhere. That, I mean, if that's if that's uh from uh yeah, she's she's been on things. Uh, Care Andrews. Carrie Andrews. Yeah. Uh, ex. Famous X-Men run. Yeah, she was on the Spider-Man one. And I feel like I've seen that art style in X run. Yeah. Jeff Matsuda. Don't recognize that name. That was the X-Men guy. So like these aren't these are people that get work. They they can be held to the standard of professionals, I feel, fairly. <laughs> I think that this Mongaverse stuff was a fifth week event back when they still did that stuff. He said that in the video that it was a fifth week. Okay. That makes um, a lot of sense. Yeah. I loved fifth week events, man. Like I would lo- I would almost look forward to fifth week sometimes, but they don't do them anymore cuz cuz they just care about making money. He talked about how he was like back in the day there was just he he talked about it like there was only monthly books and then like maybe mini series and stuff like that. And so that was just like the only you had something else to fill. Well, yeah, I mean, it, publisher, or uh, rather newsstands specifically, but fans to a certain extent, would expect Batman to come out on the second week of the month every month. Mm-hmm. And so when you had a fifth week, you know, fans that were showing up to the shop every week, like, rather than have that shop just shut down for the week, or, you know, whatever, they'd put out some weird shit. And this is where, like, tangent stuff from uh dc comics comes from this is where like you know uh this manga verse stuff this is where um like a bunch of like what if stuff kind of came from later 
uh, just this alternate reality kind of thing. So the Elseworlds stuff. Oh uh, yeah, Elseworlds stuff. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, and I, th- I think that's fun. I think with stuff like that, it doesn't always hit. But I think that the idea of this is fun. Well, I'll tell you, like when you're talking about long-term popularity of of certain books, I mean, something like, oh, uh, just imagine Stan Lee was, I think, a fifth week too. Like this is the stuff that continually like remains in print in a way that the comics, uh, the the regularly published comics of the same era didn't. You know, it's where you get a lot of oddities and and people know, love those like oddities. oddities. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, as everyone here, I think knows, <laughs> as I sit yeah. next to my shelf full of like up all night movies, compilation videos that online art collectives made of satanic panic stuff, and thank my, you very much for my that. Collection of, uh, yeah, no problem. Uh, my collection of uh, VD army films. Uh, I like oddities. <laughs> VD Venereal <laughs> oh my god you guys Rift Tracks released a riffing of this awesome like 90s internet a- explanation video by uh, by their head writers uh, it's the best fucking thing that Rift Tracks has ever done I swear shit yeah <laughs> well, it's oh, just these kids explaining to you how to fucking that's where I, I ran into that Star Hustler stuff that I was talking about on my Facebook because they oh. mentioned Star Hustler in this video Oh, so happy. Anyway. <laughs> Was that your one thing this week? Happy backing. Do we have anything else to say about Mongoverse before we... No. <laughs> I'm good. Of history? <laughs> so, uh, how much did that uh, set you back at your half-price books, Aura? Uh, the Mongoverse uh, trade? I don't I don't remember. Was it twelve ninety nine? Eight bucks, according to the cover. Oh, uh, however, the actual suggested retail is 25 which is way too much it's a large book at least but a fair deal of it is is filler i'd say even the majority of it is of filler quality and don't pay 25 bucks for that especially (laughs) because this is the definition of a book you're going to find in the bargain bin yeah (laughs) i mean i it was funny because when we talked about doing this i told cody i'm like i think i'm just going to drive to kansas city and go get it (laughs) like no, I remember you saying that. You were like, oh, I've got to find this Mangaverse stuff. I'll just go to the half price. And I was like, what are the odds that the half price are going to have a fucking <laughs> Marvel Mangaverse? Very good. good. Yeah. <laughs> Turned out they did. Was it the first one you went to as well? Yeah. Bingo. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it kind of it makes sense. <laughs> it's a bargain filler. It's a book that'll fill up a bit of your shelf at your used store. It's exactly like the type of thing that probably would have caught me at the exact same like time and age when I was like first getting into comics and you know I didn't care about specific things or you know what arc of a story. I had plenty of those little just like paperback random volumes of various reruns of reboots of Spider-Man. Did you just get snobby? Who, me? Yeah. No, what do you mean? This would have caught me at the right time, but... (laughs) I just, I like, I used to, when I was first getting into comics, I was buying the uh, Marvel flip ones, where it would be like Spider-Man on one side, and you'd flip it over and be like one issue of a Fantastic Four comic on the other side. 
And oh they, god, uh, you would have had to have bought that at like Kmart or Walmart or something. When I bought it at Blockbuster Video. Something. I knew that those were mass market. Those weren't those weren't direct market things. But it was like I was getting into that. I was already like huge into Gary Larson and Calvin and Hobbes. But like that was my first like actually reading comic comics. And then from there, like once I hit bone, then it was like all over. <laughs> once he hit bone, Josh. I, I also had an experience in my life where once I hit bone, it was all over. <laughs> there it is. Uh, so the, <laughs> the uh, spider manga individual issues. <laughs> were available most of them were two bucks the first one was three yeah I don't, grab those. Are, there, are there any collections of it nope no i, I yeah that's I unfortunate scoured it really for it i think Someone that should. they're sorry i keep cutting you off there's uh trades that have been reprinted as recent as 2004 in japan but that's going to be all are they, kanji. Are they in Japanese? They yeah. probably are. Yeah. Yeah. That's typically the case in Japan. <laughs> well, um, well, that would be, that wouldn't be a reprint of this stuff then necessary. <laughs> you can you can very easily and in a non sketchy site find a fan translation of the all of the original stories, which is uh, I read through like most of the stuff that we had, but I'm definitely planning on rereading the like dark shit. Yeah. Yeah. Marvel should really just do a, a complete reissue. Well, it occurred to me because uh, at the shop we have uh, a couple of copies of the Batman manga. Yeah, and, I have a copy of that. <laughs> and they're they're friggin' neat collections, and they're kind of. Yeah. I mean, when you're talking about oddities yeah. again, I mean, this is a thing that sometimes people will want to talk to talk to us about. No, and I'm just like, yeah, go historical ahead. thing. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was just about to say. Like, you know, it was still produced by Marvel and they have the right to it and it's like straight, it's authentic. Like, republish it and, you know, Marvel does like darker stuff. They print the F word in comics sometimes, don't they? Marvel's garbage I'm, about reprinting stuff. Well, I'm wondering right now if you're dealing with uh, like CB, again, back to CB Sabuski for a second. He uh he got into a little bit of hot water when he was ascended to uh, editor in chief because it came out that one of his pen names was a Japanese pen name, like Japanese sounding pen name. Uh, mm -hmm. And I and I'm not even gonna try to like pronounce it, but it was he's not uh, of that uh, uh, ethnicity, and so. Uh. They people were claiming he was using that to like leverage jobs and things like that, and it's not okay, basically. Jeez, um, doubt that. And so I'm wondering if there's like a little bit of embarrassment about this old stuff. That well, I just wonder if he had a Japanese sounding pen name because he was involved in bringing this stuff over, and sometimes yeah. you'd have, yeah. American so, businessman, hey, I'm just, Mr. Smith, or you know what they call him, Steve Martin in the Godzilla movies. They do that like English guy. I would be curious to know what he released under the pen name. I guess is what I'm. It was a uh, Wolverine, uh, Ronin or Wolverine. It, it was some Wolverine book that is definitely anime influenced. Oh. Because um, there's, there's a lot of Wolverine in the East stuff, which is why there's that one Wolverine movie, like the Hugh Jackman one. Well, that's probably embarrassing then. 
draining the adamantium out of Wolverine. All right. But the movie was pretty good. The Hugh Jackman, the Wolverine. Yeah. I mean, I've only seen it once, but I enjoyed it. That uh, one was like the first good one before we got Old Man Logan. Like for yeah. a while, it seemed like that was going to be as good as we got. Well, it was better oh. than Origins. <laughs> That's what you're saying. I apologize. The title book is just titled Wolverine Snicked. Jesus. Okay. I don't I thought it was I thought it had some other name than that, but it's yeah, it's Wolverine Snicked. But if you if you Google up and you see the images from Wolverine Snicked, like you can tell exactly what's going on in it. Hmm. Oh look at don't want people to get recordings of me looking into shit on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's let's move on to we did the value. So let's uh Let's move on. Uh, viewer mail. Uh, there wasn't really any viewer mail I recall this week. Um, did any uh, of you I, guys get anything? I, I received some viewer mail. Uh, oh. Weirdly, it was it was as a text message. Uh, oh. But yeah. I will I will tell you it was sent to me as a text. Don't know how they got my number. Uh, especial de Botox y Fileos el sábado 25 de julio en oh. la clínica de Huntington Park. Uh, the 25th of uh, July. I'd, I'd like to thank our, our viewer, our multinational viewers for reaching out, but I would like to gently remind them that this week we're doing Japanese comics, not Spanish ones. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a few months off still. But thanks for your comments, guys. Keep that stuff coming. Cody, any, any viewer mail? Uh, I don't, and if uh, I can't continue the bit because I am using my cell phone as my webcam, <laughs> so it is actually, my screen is faced away. I can only see the back of my cell phone currently. Yeah. How about one thing this week, fellas? Okay. Yeah. Um, one thing. I Let me, I can, I can open a little bit because mine's short. Uh, I kind of want to, I want to thank people, uh, you know, who are in um, administrative positions. I know this is odd for me because usually I wouldn't thank those people because, you know, I hate them. <laughs> but, uh, but people who are in administrative positions and have to make these decisions in the next couple weeks, particularly about like school stuff, uh, you know, like that is an unenviable position to be in at the moment. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for trying your best. I, you know, despite <laughs> everything. Well, gee, that's touching. Mine's just going to be about some shit that I'm reading. Thanks I don't, for making I, me look, good. Is, I haven't, look bad, Dick. I guess I'm going to – I guess I can put my card on the table and say I've been doing census training all week, so I haven't been watching anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, just yeah. razzing you. I've been, I'm just uh, rustling your jimmies. Um, gross. I guess my thing will be uh, the novel Saturnine, the uh, – the fourth book in the Siege of Terror Warhammer 40k series. The one by mm -hmm. Dan Abnett that I've been waiting for for a long time. Uh, I just got it. Just started reading it. It's already really fucking awesome. There was a Warhammer big hardcover comic that just came out like a week or two ago. What is it? What's it called? I, I can't remember at all, but we we still have several copies. I'll, uh, it's called I'll... Warhammer Comic, Josh. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll, I'll show it to oh, you later. Silly. <laughs> That's, we got a, that's about as far as I could have gotten you to. Yeah. <laughs> we got this big, cool-looking starter set that's like two armies for $200. And I said, like, well, absolutely not. I can't do this. I don't. Is there some sort of war game attached to Warhammer 40K? I'm just familiar with the novels, really. 
<laughs> I, I really do just read the novels and, I, and i've read the rpgs as well oh, i don't that's I had the, the very first edition of warhammer back in the day of warhammer 40k uh that's a lot of work yeah oh, you know <laughs> that's what? Not a safe way to enjoy that, that uh, franchise actually, is the way you're doing it actually i should segue into my one and a half thing this week and mention a uh, friend of the show greg smith did have a uh, did have a free RPG day uh, thing uh, related to his Junior Braves the Apocalypse RPG he uh, talked about on our podcast about three or four weeks ago. So yeah, it's based on the kids on bikes system, which is very popular these days. Yeah, among the kids. Very good. If yeah, listeners or maybe the children of listeners are into RPGs, it might be a fun gift to get them the kids on bikes RPG and the. Junior Braves of the Apocalypse thing. Hint, hint. Certain listeners who have kids that are into RPGs. <laughs> I wonder who you're talking about. <laughs> that is uh, that is a joke for very few people. <laughs> uh, I mean, we have we have tens don't, don't of need listeners. To, don't give it away, man. <laughs> we have tens of listeners. There are dozens of us. Dozens. <laughs> All right, Cody. Uh, I I've been doing this stuff. I've been playing Cody's video been games. Cody's been sniffing glue the whole podcast. But yeah, you uh, you guys get the special preview. I haven't put any pictures up on Facebook yet or anything. But ooh, it's not uh, it's it's definitely not guacamole, guys. <laughs> it's not finished yet, but I have all these little bases that are going to eventually become little character stand-ins. Uh, this is what i was gluing while you guys were talking yeah. or was criticizing me so i can put these little uh these little cake toppers that i found online that are just straight Aww. up moomin and so i can do a little little moomin checking out his little library oh yeah yeah cool and that's what i've been doing i've been playing with toys and uh video games too crafty being craftsy. I was craftsy for a while before, uh, you know, well, before Hobbit's grad school rings. beat it out of me. <laughs> uh, so uh, if there's nothing else, uh, that podcast, uh, this has been a proud presentation of that podcast productions. You can find all our podcasts, blogs, and assorted nonsense on uh, that podcast productions at Fireside FM. You can also find us on Facebook as that podcast stays up all night slumber party go there it's been a good time the last couple weeks um we've been posting uh, uh more and more on that on the facebook site for sure uh you can find a, a dead instagram at uh that dot podcast dot productions you can also find a dead twitter at <laughs> at that productions if podcatchers are your thing you can uh you can find us uh at uh that podcast productions on stitcher spotify google podcast and itunes or you can just add the RSS feed from the website. What's going on with our art, Cody? Uh, art is created by a friend of the show, Abby. Abby's doing great. You can contact her through her Instagram at RosariArt. That's R-O-Z-A-R-I-A-R-T. And she did our awesome kick-ass logo. Why don't you check out and see if she can do a logo for your podcast, huh? If you're so cool. Theme music for our uh, podcast is done by, uh, by my brother-in-law, Ted. If you want to uh, contact him, you can get uh, your, you know, theme music done 
uh, just email us at that.podcast.productions at gmail.com. Additionally, you should uh, subscribe and review. Hey, you want to talk about our sister show for a moment, Josh? No. Okay. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about comics. I don't want to talk about girls. And I don't want to talk about talking. And I certainly don't want you to go to girlstalkcomics.fireside.fm. I'm just sick of it, Aura. I'm sick of the whole thing. I'm sick of how they have nothing to do with the band Girl Talk. And I'm sick of how they release concise, interesting criticism about currently released and, and past released comics. Oh, did you see uh, this week they're they're talking about it's basically a what you're reading show. Uh, and I was like, oh, man, like if I had 15 minutes in my life, that's what I would be listening to. <laughs> I refuse to tell people that they will have a very good time if they go to girlstalkcomics.fireside.fm. Oh. <laughs> what's, uh, what's, what's, uh, what's coming up with the next show then, Bubbo's? Hey, next show is going to be a That Podcast Stays Up All Night. Uh, and we're going to continue our summer juby referee with a uh, a very with special film, which might be the first just sort of outright porno that we're watching. Apparently, I didn't say that. <laughs> so if you, if you like the awkward spectacle of uh, of three adult white men talking about pornography, tune in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> The week after that, we'll be doing Further Ado, which is a podcast where we do some media related to the thing we do on that podcast we'll never do. And this time, it will be the Japanese Spider-Man show featuring a giant Spider-Man robot called Leopardman. Woohoo! This thing's batshit. And... I haven't seen it yet, but I have heard... But it is yeah. fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot I, of video essays about it. Well, I mean, uh, well, I'll I'll get into it next show. <laughs> I mean, it's a Spider-Man where Spider-Man has a giant robot. I think that kind of says it all, right? Uh, no, it doesn't explicitly, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, if there's nothing else, uh, Jocks, I think we should uh, call it a day. What do you think, Mar? jocks in a British accent I don't know that's uh, no that's a a, uh, in England that's a very offensive word for Scottish people yeah. Uh, did you not. hey? Did you uh? Did you guys see sports is back this week? Uh, yeah. My yeah, I have a job that is related to sports, and I'm. Oh, I away. forgot. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>